you will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. I'm your host, Richard White, the Podfather, the Galactic Pirate Lord, or something or other. Joining me today is Blair Bunky, better known as Scruffy, the ship's janitor. What's up, Blair? What's happening, sir? Also joining us is Lyle Hayhurst, better known as Sosa, the ship's quartermaster. What's up, X-Wing cool uncle? <laughs> hey, man. Not much. Uh, finally, jo- or not finally, also joining us today is Tyler Tippett, hero of the Empire, Better known as Starslinger72, the ship's cook. What's up, Tyler? What's going on, guys? And then finally is uh, Dr. Bob Bob Randall, better known as Major Juggler, uh, the ship's computer. What's up, Bob? Hey, I feel like I'm a bit of a turncoat tonight because I am multitasking watching the Buccaneer Patriots game. And so I am rooting against the uh, pirate team. And because uh, I have to root for my own home team, which I know 90% of the listeners will raise their angry fists at me, but are also probably pretty happy that the Patriots are right now only two and two. So, yeah, it's for the best. Yeah, but I'm excited to be here. Way more than 90%. Anyways, joining us today is the uh, basically the X Wing design team, or allegedly the X Wing design team to have worked on X Wing previous. Anyways, is Max Brooks, uh, or Max Brook, Frank Brooks, the Brook brothers and how many times has that joke been made i just want to know well we now have another co-worker named brooks who's also around so uh i mean he's also in the miniatures department he's right behind us right now and and not to give the shine (laughs) away but alex davy alex is your third time i'm gonna say third time because i haven't Counter, I know you've been on at least three times on the show. Sure, why not? None of us listen to yeah. the show. Whoa! <laughs> that makes me sad. No, I think you're lying. You just hurt my feelings so bad. You just, okay, I know you well enough that I know that you at least listened to yourself on our show. But I cut all the other audio. Yeah, back. just like after that, it's just delete. Anyways, third time's a charm. Thanks for being on. Uh, we have the, I guess, force ghost of Frank Brooks. Uh Frank, we're, I don't remember. It's been so long. We we just forgot why we killed you. But uh, trauma trauma has a funny thing, you know, funny effect on memory like that. But you know, how is how is the afterlife? Uh, I guess thanks for joining us. Uh, it's doing all right, actually. It's better than I thought. <laughs> See, I thought you were just back with robot legs. <laughs> and then uh, Max, uh, thanks for coming on to the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, I guess we're sorry. Uh, you can blame uh, Alex and Frank, I guess. <laughs> you deal with that and in, in, in your own work time. Uh, anyways, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Glad to be here. All right. So because we haven't met you before uh, on the show, and I have actually haven't met you in person, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your like design background, et cetera? I know that you're working on X-Wing now, but what if, like, tell us about you. Get, paint us a picture here. Yeah, definitely. Well, I've been playing minis games for ages. I played a lot of 40K back in the day. Um, 
played a bunch of Mordheim, played various other things. Uh, and uh, I started in role-playing, Fantasy Flight. Um, but uh, I was actually, I've been involved with many stuff on and off tangentially since I got here. One of the first things I remember like helping out in, you know, in sort of like my off time was the early X-Wing playtests, uh, actually. So it was kind of funny to come back around to that, not having really touched it or looked at it since, uh, you know, the early playtests when all of the iconic Imperial abilities were on Rebel characters. All right, um, so are, you talking, are you talking about actually the... Uh, the core game or the core game. Okay. Yeah. So, so you helped the play test the core game with Jay little a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Jay was mostly off it by that point. Um, it was mostly uh, Steve and Corey. So, um, but yeah. And, and James, I guess was he, he, he was cycling on when I was, yeah. this was really early. The game wasn't even out yet. This is back when we were like, Oh, this X-Wing thing might be popular, I guess. <laughs> Um, anyway, so uh, so I did some of that. I worked on some Dust Warfare stuff. So I, um, incidentally, mostly, again, helping out. Um, uh, and then uh, a couple of years back, um, you know, the people knew I had an interest in minis. There was uh, an opening on the newly forming minis team, since it was no longer going to be just Alex and Frank doing everything, uh, you know, all the time with uh, no particular backup. Um, so, so suddenly you're here, like... Uh, like- here I am to come to save the day, right? The Andy Kaufman skit. What was that mighty? Well, I was gonna say. I mean, I'm. It's not. I've been on since Wave Nine, okay. so it's not exactly a recent occurrence. <laughs> it's just nobody's noticed so far, and I kind of just you know let it stay that way. Uh, but it's too late now. You're now you're here. It's too like you've Uh-oh. come too far. Well, I mean, here's the thing. With L5R out, I figure at this point, there's no effective way to hide. So so, so let's talk know. about this. Tell me... All right, so I am a big fan of RPGs, and I know generally about the setting of L5R, but I'd never played the card game. I haven't played um, any... I haven't really played any game of, of it other than I just kind of generally know the concept. Sell me on that RPG. Yeah, definitely. So L5R is all about, like, the genre of samurai fiction, you know, sort of like everything from the, you know, the Japanese literature that inspired it and historical events to, you know, like, obviously Kurosawa movies are a huge influence. Um, So the the premise is you are, you're playing a, a samurai who lives in this, you know, sort of like this fictional but inspired in some ways by Japan and to a lesser extent China and Korea um, world. Uh, so it's, um, sort of in the same way that Warhammer fantasy is, uh, you know, inspired by, uh, medieval Europe, but there are also trolls and ogres and chaos warriors. Um, in legend of the five rings, you're playing a samurai. You're a member of one of these great clans, um, with the, uh, the animal motifs. And, um, you know, you're, it's, uh, it's, it, the setting is kind of like, it's actually, um, it, it's funny because they are sort of contemporary in their creation, but there are a lot of, similarities to um a song of ice and fire including a big old wall that keeps out the monsters um although that's in the south not in the uh not in the north um but yeah so mostly it's samurai politics and intrigue and trying to sort of like uh, trying to you know uphold honor while also pursuing your personal desires um and the way those two come into conflict um but then every now and then you'll run into some just supernatural problem or or like larger issue or bigger plot. And that's usually where these sort of like player character stories come together where, 
you know, a bunch of members of different clans have to work together and, you know, like, while probably still plotting against each other to some degree, you know, like, solve some threat that is a threat to the entire empire. All right, so um, I'm going to – okay, so you successfully sucked me in on this. So I'm going to ask one <laughs> more question, and I'm so sorry. Uh, so so this seems, like, really interesting, and the FFG's previous games have I've sort of put – have sort of put in – like a central, a center portion of the spectrum between a sort of simulation-y style rules-heavy game like D and D to a light-style game like a Dungeon World, uh, and I've always put FFG's products pretty sorely in the middle of where you can game that system a little bit if you like that, but they have a lot of narrative, you know, agility to them for their players. Where would you put that that L five R game in relation to those other FFG games and on that spectrum? So it's interesting. That's it, that's a really interesting question because I would say that it is in a similar place to Edge of the Empire, but for different reasons. So checks are a little bit quicker to resolve. It still uses it uses custom dice, although it uses custom dice it's with an FFG that. product, isn't it? Like, is that in you guys' contract? Like, design game must have dice that aren't actual dice, except in this only game. Like, it's so it's interesting. I have to say, I was pretty skeptical when I first encountered them, too, and I definitely, I actually have a lot of trouble with symbol recognition. I actually um, love the so, dice, it just seems like it's a rule that's in every game has to have weird dice, no matter what. Well, it lets you do a lot of really interesting things with probability, and presents them very intuitively, instead of having to have a lot of either knowing what a number means, you know, I have to know that a six explodes or whatever, I have to know that a three is a success with complication... Um, it lets you it lets you put a lot of that in a sort of a symbolic language that's very easy for most people. Uh, oddly, not so much me. Um, uh, I usually get used to it. And uh, one of the nice things about L5R is it does not have as many unique symbols as um, uh, Edge of the Empire or Genesis. Um, uh, but uh, but yeah, it just it lets you do a lot of a lot of interesting things that you would struggle to do with numbered dice. I mean, you can do, do a lot of good stuff with numbered dice too, obviously. Um, and a lot of games do. So, but. so the checks are pretty straightforward, but what's the sort of narrative portion of it? Like what mechanic like drives that? Yeah. So there are, there are, there are two big ones um, in, in the dice themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so you generally, you generate more of a like success failure thing. Um, uh, instead of advantage and threat, there are opportunities and opportunities are chances for your character to do something cool essentially, but they don't relate directly to the check. So they're a lot like advantage. But there's nothing that cancels opportunity. You just get that. Um, the the dynamic there is that when you roll, um, you know, there aren't that many faces that have both success and opportunity. So and because you're rolling and then choosing to keep some of those dice based on your ring value, uh, you'll often be in a situation where you're like, oh, I have a cool opportunity I could activate to, you know, like really irritate Frank. Um, <laughs> that's one of my character abilities. But like I, I want to succeed on this check to convince Alex that I want to do this this way. So do I want to bother Frank more or do I want to convince Alex? And so I have to make a choice there, like, which of these. If I if I roll really well, maybe I'll be able to do both. I mean, I do annoy Frank most days. Um, <laughs> but uh, the other way it plays out on these dice is with strife, um, which is a symbol that always occurs alongside positive symbols. And so it's an incentive to not keep those, essentially. And strife tracks up. And this is part of the emotional sort of, like, um, back and forth of your character 
or a big part of samurai drama is the characters suppressing their emotions and then there'll be these scenes where they can no longer suppress them and they have to do something about it. And so sometimes it's very subtle. Is that kind of like being more extreme? Like, like in Fate where you get compelled to do something? Um, kind of. So the, the one thing we really wanted to push on was that it's always really under the player's control. Sure. So when you have um, uh, an outburst, um, it doesn't have to be an actual outburst. It's just sort of some sort of emotional manifestation um, uh, you always get to decide what it is. And, and there's one where you can just sort of back away from the scene and stop doing things. Um, so if you don't want to have your character do anything untoward, they can just sort of like stop doing stuff, but you always, you always get to shape it. And then there are some of them that have specific mechanical implications. You can use them to, um, and they usually have good and bad sides. So one of them, you know, like turns off one of your character's disadvantages. So let's say my character so can't it's, lie. It's so it, sort of like- I might be able to lie in a moment of desperation, even if my nor- character normally can't. That makes sense. I, so you can kind of push it with. So it's sort of it's sort of in the middle where like you do give your players the ability to kind of like do stuff. That's interesting. Uh, and I'm super excited to check it out. Um, and I have a buddy of mine who is like really, really interested in running a campaign. So I, I he's going to give me kind of all the updates on that. So I'm kind of stoked about that. I kind of got we got RPG sidetracked because I love RPGs a whole bunch, but I got to keep uh, I got to keep focused on X Wing. Stay on target. Yeah, I do want to give Alex a quick second to talk about Legion. Uh, <laughs> Alex, uh, give me give me a rundown on Legions because I really like Imperial Assault. Why should I play? Why should I also play Legion? Uh, in essence, they're they're very different games. Imperial Assault is a spec ops raid. It's a small team of highly trained commandos. That's sort of like your your Predator movie, or you know, um, a lot of scenes in Rogue One. Yeah, like it's when when Cassian and June are infiltrating the base. That's Imperial Assault. All the guys outside the base blasting away at stormtroopers. That's Legion. And that carries through to the gameplay as well. Uh, Legion is really, it's a larger scale battle. Um, You're trying to push your forces towards specific objectives. Imperial Assault is Jin and Cassian infiltrating the base with K2SO. Legion is the battle that's raging outside while that's going on. It's it's larger scale. Um, The commanders, the characters in the game have an impact on the battle, but they're they're more just directing the flow of things. They they're they're crucial to the result, but there are a lot of uh, soldiers alongside them. War machines. Um, you play it on a, a bigger board, and you don't play it on a grid. And I think that's um, one of the big differences. A lot of traditional war gamers. Um, will look at a game like Imperial Assault and they'll see a, a board game, even though it is a miniatures game or a game like X-Wing, which has these fixed movement templates and that'll look like uh, a more contained sort of board game kind of experience. But what makes Wargaming a lot of fun and what makes it really unique is that you can pick up your your pieces, your soldiers, your miniatures, and you can bring them anywhere. And the, the terrain that you play on uh, adds to sort of the uh, verisimilitude of the battle, it adds to the immersion, and it also changes the way that the game plays. And the system is sort of designed to be um, applied to any kind of battlefield that you might have access to, and I think that for wargamers who get excited by that, um, that's a, a big component in why uh, Legion is, is a whole different uh, ball game. Uh, it's also just very mechanically different. Um, you have a lot of emphasis on individual pieces, in Imperial Assault, whereas in Legion you have it's more there's more of an emphasis on the overall 
objectives. And if you lose a unit, you're not necessarily out of the game. Um, the action economy is a little bit different because um, bigger, bigger, stronger characters in Imperial Assault tend to have some issues because they just, you know, if you open a door with Darth Vader, well, that's so- that's something that uh, he he's a very expensive part of your army, and he shouldn't be spending his time doing objective stuff. Whereas in Legion, if you're using a commander to grab an objective or something, it's not quite such a cost because you have so many more uh, troops on the table. So there's just sort of it's sort of micro and macro differences, largely. Interesting. Plus, every uh, the normal war gamers are going to be happy because we finally get to bring back our really fancy tape measures that you guys have just conveniently cut out of all of your other games. Yeah, if you're a tape measure fan, uh, the increments on the Legion measuring stick are exactly six inches, so you can you can clip it to your belt. You can look super cool. <laughs> right. There's some, there's some pros right there. They sell lightsaber tape measures, right? They have to, right? They, they don't. I said they don't, so we're missing out. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Alex, how have you been feeling about being at all of the events, such as like Gen Con and dealing with all the Legion stuff and not getting to come hang out with all the super cool X-Wing? Well, I've been heartbroken, obviously. Like, it's been frustrating. I've seen I've, I've seen everybody else, but then, like, you're off, like, in the event hall doing it. I mean, thing. I almost didn't design Legion because it would mean that I wouldn't get to spend my time in the X-Wing tournament hall. So seriously, I take, I take this issue. That was, that was the, that was definitely <laughs> the, the, the number one all that. Uh, no, that it's, you know, it's funny. It's been a fun break from X-Wing cause I haven't been as involved. Max and, and Frank have been carrying the torch, but like Max said earlier, uh, I sit nine feet away from them. So I will get sucked into X-Men conversations every day, even if I'm ostensibly supposed to be working on something else on deadline. Uh, and I'm still in all the card councils and I'm still sort of uh, Obi-Wan force ghosting it a little bit. And uh, now that the bulk of Legion uh, game design is done, I've been able to get back into sort of day-to-day X-Wing, contribute some some card ideas. But they've been doing a really great job. Uh, so it's, it's really more just uh, uh, I get to sort of sit back and watch how that game progresses and chip in a... Uh, a comment or a, or an idea or two from time to time. So let's let. I feel like what an excellent transition because why don't we actually talk about X Wing? We're going to toss you guys questions for you know the next forty or so minutes of uh, your time, and hopefully we don't like scar you or anything. But we've got you guys here, so we want to talk about X Wing and. What you guys' thoughts on cards you've designed, cards for the future, the current state, all of this stuff. So I wanna I wanna start off uh, now. This is a question for the I guess the three of you because you for for the most part you guys have been both in the past and the few and are designing the future waves. This is a question from the I, I, somebody who submitted it to us. Uh, in X-Wing, many of the iconic ships were released in early waves, while later waves have introduced new ship-specific abilities, actions, and maneuvers that didn't exist in those previous waves. There's been uh, This has been creating differences in maneuver options and upgrade slots that may not be solvable with new upgrades. What is your vision for how to keep the old ships relevant in the uh, game moving forward? That's from a fixed bayonet, so... I don't remember where he submitted that, but I like that so much that I want to give him credit for it. That's a real development challenge for X-Wing, for any game that, uh, you know, updates progressively, really, is how do you how do you keep the older things relevant? So you have new design ideas. How do you, you know, engage with 
new stuff and uh, you know what do you do when things are revealed about things uh, that you designed ages ago that are now true and you didn't know about before um, <laughs> so uh, yeah it's certainly a challenge I mean upgrade cards are certainly one route we've taken I'm I mean, I I know that this is one of this is always made fun of, but like the X wing is at, the the generic X wing is still in a pretty not swell spot. Sure, like it was never the best ship. Was it ever even really good? <laughs> it was good in wave I mean, one. Had it for, for was it? Was I, I would argue that thing? even in wave one, the X wing was dramatically outclassed by the Tie Fighter. The only reason that the X wing saw early success. I would uh, I would argue is that um, people hadn't really figured out that just putting seven or eight Tie Fighters on the table was actually the thing to do. Um, if you look at it just mathematically, it was always um, inferior, and its dial has always been inferior. So it was it was up against it was up against a lot to begin with. Not as much as the Tie Advanced, because holy moly, that poor ship. But but that's the thing. Like when you st- when a chassis starts at at such a, a a low level, it's it's pretty tough to bring it bring it up to to uh, I guess modern standards, especially when newer ships just tend to have more stuff going on because there's new mechanics. So yeah, it's definitely a challenge, and part of that is just the simplicity of the corset, which was great, has meant that it's had a hard time keeping up with more complicated later mechanics. Now, with that said, obviously, we're pretty aware of this, and we can't speak to any specific future content, but this is something we're thinking about, something we've been thinking about for a long time, so. And we do make future projects. Yes, <laughs> that we can't talk about. I, I will counter really quickly. From back in Wave 1, Tie Swarms were awesome until someone brought, like, Luke, Biggs, and two rookies. That was, that was not the funnest matchup. So just to pile on here, actually, with this question. So I had a, a pre-canned question here, uh, and this kind of segues into it really well. So Alex and Frank, you guys had done an interview several months back, and I'm a terrible person because I actually forgot who you were interviewing with, uh, but I had pinned it. And in that interview, you said that costing some abilities mathematically can be really tricky. Uh, and specifically in that interview, you were talking about that there's no equation for valuing pilot skill nine arc dodger you know with dual actions and that's obviously a little bit different than the thing that you were just talking about which is just generics smashing into each other in wave one uh so the lead-in question then is but what if hypothetically there was uh a set of equations or some mathematical way to try to figure out how much a dual action ps9 arc dodger would be worth and and how much would that be useful to you as a game designer well it's it's interesting because like <sighs> where to start? Uh, obviously, you want to get the things costed correctly because then everything is a good option and it's fun to play. Uh, but it's <sighs> there's a lot of there's a very experiential aspect to it is what I think Frank is getting at, and it can be hard sometimes to pin down. Uh, the specifics of what is or isn't, what what does or doesn't feel good on the table. Sometimes there are very like odd interactions that see that should be fun that work out by the numbers, but don't work out when people are playing the game. And so that's that's one challenge that just comes up right away with that. But yeah, I think that equation would be 
useful, but it wouldn't replace testing because sometimes there are just weird interactions that come out that seem to mean things have to cost different amounts. And if you do the testing, you find that the numbers aren't in the place you'd expect them to be. Yeah, and I think the other part of this is the if you can have a series of equations that can correctly value a PS9 arc dodger, it probably doesn't handle the rest of the game entirely because you have turrets, you've got bombs, you've got things that don't care about dodging arcs at all. And so it's it's difficult for you to use that along with uh, the ability to cost the rest of the game correctly as well. And one challenge there too is it's not just the rest of the game as it exists publicly. It's the rest of the game as it will exist in the future. Yeah, I mentioned this back in Nova, but uh, there's there's a part where we're like working two waves or so ahead. So our testers aren't even really playing the game that they need to be playing because they need to be playing the version of the game that they did earlier that isn't the game they can play publicly. So it's it's in this weird place where no one is actually playing the game that it's going to be until it happens. Yeah, to, to uh, riff on that for a second, I think mathematical equations are really good at balancing existing mechanics once they're understood, especially once they're out in the world. Like once you... Once you understand a mechanic and, and the effect that it has and its impact on the game and its value in match after match, you can start assigning values to it. But it is very difficult to assign value to a new mechanic, a completely new uh, idea. And I think one of the, the places we saw that most keenly was in uh, the cloak mechanic. Um, we knew that it was good, but it took exterior observation and thousands of people to play it, playing it and thousands of really talented people playing it for us to realize how incredibly overpowered it was. Um, and that's not something that ever existed before. So it, it's hard to quantify that kind of new thing. And anytime we do a new action or a new mechanic, um, if it's similar enough to existing stuff, it's a lot easier to balance. But if it's kind of a brand new idea, it's a lot more challenging. Um, so, so Alex, a quick question on that point. Some people have said that they think Cloak could go back to where it was before given the current power level of the game. Do you, do you think that's true? Wouldn't be anybody on this cast that feels that way either. Uh, yeah, a lot I've of never heard that from Morgan, familiar. Uh, for example, said it recently, who's arguably one of the best Whisper players in the world. It's, it's possible. The problem is that it's so oppressive to certain list types that even if it is you know balanced out by some other mechanics, even if there's lists that can handle it, not only was it extraordinarily powerful, it was also not a lot of fun to play against. Because there, it was it was coming away from that core element of X-wing, which is the ability to guess what your opponent is trying to do, and by putting it at that high pilot skill, um, and the fact that it has a one hard turn means that the cloaking device was basically an abort switch. If you if your opponent guessed what you were trying to do, you had so many different ways to do something different at that high pilot skill that it was almost irrelevant whether they had predicted it or not. So I think. The, the cloak mechanic was flawed on two levels. One, it was way too strong, but two, it was moving away from that core mechanic of just like guessing what your opponent's going to do, trying to plot your maneuvers with that guess in mind um, in, and sort of organizing your, your strategy around, around that. And so I think that when you look at a mechanic's power level, there's um, the, the most important thing is that it stay true to the spirit of the game and the original cloak did not do that. So whether or not it would be 
competitively balanced, I think is only one part of that assessment. And I think that uh, a more important part of that assessment is, does it fit within the core design goals and ideas of the game? Um, okay, so so I have to ask, based on that, because I, I like that, uh, that mm-hmm. core ideology, because as you said, Whisper used to just be like, oh, you set up that perfect trap and now Whisper just bails out. Like, nope, I'm not going to be there. That's, exactly. That's, we don't play that game. We're seeing uh, Kylo mm-hmm. come out in the silencer with push the limit and advanced sensors that feels like it can do exactly the well, same you thing. Well, you still have to plot your maneuver um, and the pilot skill isn't quite as big of an issue on the silencer. We'll see if it's a problem. Uh, the cloak mechanic was... Um, fundamentally an issue because you could wait until um that moment and and the uh, the two speed in four different directions is a little bit different than just a barrel roll off of advanced sensors but it's possible that that could be problematic we will have to wait and see what impact he has on the game but in testing he was not uh he was not hugely problematic of course i say that knowing that in testing cloaking seemed okay i think we've learned a little bit since then i mean that was uh six waves ago seven waves ago um many years ago actually in terms of of uh, of the design team experience level um but you know it's always possible that something slips through and ends up being much stronger than anticipated hopefully not the case with kylo uh but i guess that remains to be seen so alex you mentioned that kind of concept of whisper in the cloak mechanic suppressing lists and that being kind of unhealthy. Recently, we've seen that it looks like bombs are have suppressed a huge portion of the Imperial meta. Tyler can probably talk about this much better than I can, but if you look at the tournament results, Imperials just aren't showing up. People aren't playing them because they're worried about bombs. They're worried about, you know, you can get Soonter get a, we'll, we'll get killed by a single bomb now. And it's just not worth risking a third or, you know, even more than a third of your fleet if you're gonna die by auto damage. So do you think that Imperials are in a good spot right now? And if not, what are the plans to fix them? Well, we can't really talk about specific plans. Uh, I can say that I, that we are certainly aware that bombs are, are very strong right now. It's funny that, you know, when you tinker with the mechanic for a few years and it spends a long time being basically useless, um, and then you try to, you try to add a series of improvements that will get people to. I know you guys can't tell us specifically what the word launch does, but I'm imagining that launch is going to put bombs in front of something by launching them. And <laughs> it seems like they're going to be launchable bombs soon, on top of all this stuff you're talking about. I just want to say, as a sad A Wing player. Well, there's also the question of. I just need to get. I just need to get that out. I just need to get that out. I feel well, so sad. Well, on that subject, right okay, I'll throw done. something out I'm there because people, you know, definitely seem to be worried about the resistance bomber, and we'll see. But one thing testing showed is that a lot of its effects are not especially additive with current bomb effects. Um, I mean, for instance, that is the reason it doesn't have a crew slot because being able to put Sabine on that would be really obnoxious. So you know, it's this sort of like push and pull of like, yeah, it's this cool bomber with a cool new trick, but you're giving something up, up, uh, something else up to have that trick. And I think, you know, we, we definitely keep an eye on the meta. We keep an eye on what has become uh, really dominant. And we're always looking to kind of push and pull and, and change the equation. It's a slow process, though. I mean, we design several waves 
out before any products are released. So we are just taking our best guess as to what is going to go down. And um, when things become really egregious, we can step in with errata. Uh, we've done it in the past. We certainly might do that again in the future. But um, until something is just demonstrably a, a major problem, we definitely prefer to let things play out. Um, there's a bunch of product in the pipeline that's going to be coming out uh, fairly soon that's probably going to change the equation again. So there's a, there's a danger in being too reactionary. Um, even some of the nerfs that we have implemented, which were, you know, uh, people were, were howling at the moon for something to be done about Palpatine, for example. And now people are calling for Palpatine to be unnerved. So you're just like rubbing, you're just rubbing every nerf in Tyler's face right now. Because that's the thing. I, I mean, like, you never know how the next wave it. of stuff is going to affect the meta. You never know if it's going to be a nerf too far or if something that was a problem will no longer be a problem. Uh, certain patterns take shape over a long enough period of time where you can be like, yeah, this is this is a problem and it needs to be addressed. Uh, but it's, it's dangerous. I mean, it's a very delicate uh, art form changing the game enough to stop the really abusive stuff, but not throwing it into total chaos. Uh, and we're, <laughs> we're doing the best we can, but it's a it's a it's a five year old game with a mountain of content and an enormous amount of accretion. So um we're happy as long as the meta is relatively diverse and uh, we're pretty committed to only stepping in when, when stuff is really, really in need of uh, addressing. All right, fellas. So uh, Ricky already said this, but I'd just like to reiterate very cool. If you guys to come on for all the listeners, this was something that they were under no circumstances uh, required or obligated to do. This is 100% volunteer. So just want to say again, thank you very much. Very cool. You guys coming on. For the law, we did not kidnap. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to talk about uh, the meta and where we're at right now. And really what it's been for the last year and a half or longer. I think the last uh, regional or larger tournament that was won by a tie swarm, I believe was Yavin. They're the first Yavin uh, back in 2016. And really, if we look at the last, really what the meta has been for the last five, last year and a half, but looking at the last five nationals, Poland, France, UK, Canada, and the US, we have out of ships that made the cut, less than 20% were generics. And most of those were not forward uh, 90 degree arc ships or mostly uh, turrets or something else. So that being the case, I have to ask about harpoon missile because a lot of people, this is a, uh, it's been creating a lot of buzz. A number of people, uh, Dallas Parker, who is I'm sure you guys recognize the name is one of, if not the best type swarm player of all time. Even he has come forth and said that this is pretty much the final nail in the coffin of Ty swarm. Can you guys talk about what you were looking at in the design of that card? So I'll, I like to start out that the, Art I actually commissioned back with Imperial Veterans. So I was really excited about the concept of a missile that just like gets stuck in you and blows up lighter. So I was hoping to have at some point the ability to add this into the into the game. Um, so at the very least, that's where it started. Uh, it is a really funny concept. Right? <laughs> it's just like, I, I think the original name was called like a Fang Missile. Or something like that, but and then they had the fang way. fighter in the intervening time, and so right, so you couldn't really want to call it that. Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah. So uh, we really wanted to. 
I wanted to add this card into the game. Uh, Assault Missile wasn't really doing anything. It's not like that was really killing Thai Swarm. Um, so this didn't feel like it was beating up this uh, arch- archetype. Um, interestingly, as the Rebel uh, Convoy sort of uh, list arose, it actually kind of hurts it because you can do area effect damage to the four of them. Um, so on some level, it was kind of handling the meta on some level. Uh, so do you think yeah. this is a case of where you guys are designing for a year and a half in the future? I mean, it's hard to see a year and a half ago that tie swarms would die. Certainly. But if you knew it now, if you knew that tie swarms would effectively be competitively dead, would you rethink this card? Well, if they're already competitively dead, putting a card that super kills them doesn't matter. So... Nice, but uh, but a good point here. A good point here that that Frank is raising is is just again, it's this tracking of the meta where it's like if two ship builds had been as dominant as they were when Kylo Ren came out, the crew card, as when he was designed, uh, we would probably have uh, costed him higher. But like two ship, you know, at the time we looked at the successful two ship builds and they were fairly limited, and we said, okay, you know, this is probably fine. And then, of course, it shifts to two ship builds, and we announce that card, and everyone says, "Oh, they're trying to, you know, kill this specific thing." And it's like that wasn't even considered. Makes sense. So, yeah, we're always designing for a game that no one's playing. So, so, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like shoot, trying to shoot a bullet at another bullet someone hasn't fired yet. Yeah, it's, so, yeah, it's really hard. So, I mean, so I guess my question is, so, do you guys like, feel like one, one thing I wanted to bring up earlier actually uh, is like whenever we design like a new LCG. There, no one's playing the game because it's not out yet. The the basic actual mechanics aren't even decided. So you have to come up with cards to fill this game so you can actually try to play it. And it turns out you're probably wrong. There's something that's just horrible. It's determining the game. Corset problems. Yeah, corset problems. And that's what we <laughs> call it around then. here. Yeah, exactly. So that's what we call it around here. The, of corset problems. Everyone has something. Um, so we're... It's, we're constantly fighting this, and even when we are acknowledged that that's what's happening, we you keep having to design for a game that's not being played for you yet. So it's 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 really hard. Yeah, it's trying to shoot a bullet from a gun that hasn't even shot another bullet. It's I'm horrible. curious, have you, have you guys talked about using machine learning to tackle this? Because it seems like a great. Um, a great target area for machine learning. It's designed for just these sorts of problems. How much does that cost? Like, just give me a ballpark. Like, how, how, what's the cheapest I could have a decent neural network up and running for? I mean, I think the open source X-Wing communities will do it for you for free. You- so, sure, for X-Wing, but like, for we're X-Wing, making yeah. so many games every year. It's a lot of effort to put into designing one game. I, I will also point to Robo Rosewater, which is not exactly <laughs> a uh, not exactly a replacement to Mark Rosewater yet. Someday, <laughs> like yes, it would be cool, and it would give you some really useful data. It'd be cool to design but, a game around that. Yeah, it's true. Design a game around a neural network, designing all the content. That would be amazing. But, you know, in a weird way, the X-Wing meta and the X-Wing community is a neural network. Um, it's just not one that we can tap into ahead of time. Like, it's pretty great for uh, determining what is too strong and, and how things interact w- uh, with other things. And, and to some extent, the, the playtesting community is like a, is a mini mini neural network in that 
respect, but until it actually goes out to thousands and thousands and thousands of people, we don't get quite the same level of feedback. And so that's a difficult thing to replicate. It's really easy to um, zero in on flaws post-release when there's that much like metadata and that many players. Um, it's a lot harder to do it pre-release. And that raises some interesting questions about how um, the design process uh, could potentially work in the future. I can't really go into any um, detail about what we might have planned, but we're definitely trying to use all the tools available to us as we move forward and just like learn better processes of how to do things. Um, so I think uh, as as time goes on, uh, there'll be some there'll be some interesting stuff to look forward to. That's all I'm going to say. We certainly sit around spitballing uh, crazy ideas we would love to do with, uh, you know, uh, unlimited time and resources. Uh, Frank has a whole pitch for uh, AR Wing, <laughs> where you play X-Wing via AR. Yeah, it's it's great. We'd never make it. <laughs> Have you seen the, uh, the iPhone AR app? Yeah, it's uh, it looks pretty sweet. Like, I mean, the uh, the one I was really impressed with was the um, someone Armada did VR one? Armada. Yeah. That was incredible. That's definitely it's worth a look. It's really cool. cool stuff. Yeah, it's like you have the Star Destroyers flying in space, and they it still is like uses out. Yeah, they rigged up the maneuver temp- the maneuver tool like in three D. It was really yeah. cool. Yeah, did you see this one? I did. Yeah. So I have a follow-on question on uh, Kylo was mentioned earlier. You said that if you had realized that there was going to be this massive two-ship meta, that Kylo would be costed higher. So the follow-on question is actually, how do you get a sense for knowing when you should cost something differently versus when you should look at the underlying mechanics to change it that way? That's testing. That That is experiential, and the experiential side, you really can't get through. You can't get through just reading it, and you can't get through you know, any sort of number crunching. You just have to play it a whole bunch and see how it goes. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting because Kylo is a, a, a card I'm extremely happy with, except under one circumstance, and that is when he's parked on rack and flying around, popping his effect immediately. Um, and it's interesting because, again, another example of things, you know, that weren't especially popular at the time getting very popular in the intervening time um, uh, you know, we knew about that interaction, but it didn't seem to be especially good in tests. And it was the only sort of unfortunate interaction. And otherwise, there's actually a fair amount of counterplay with I'll show you the dark side, because it puts out an effect, and then you usually have a chance to do something about it. Unless you've got a pilot skill 10 automatic crit, um, which, you know, again, we knew about, we'd tested and we sort of felt like, well, it doesn't seem to be very good. So it's probably all right. Um, so that's always a tricky thing. Um, and then of course, you know, one person's fun is another person's frustration and that's always a tricky thing as well. And that's why you just have to put it on the table a lot and see sort of where the averages fall. And I think back to your point, it's hard to tell exactly when you can just redesign the ability or cost it differently. Cause sometimes really the solution is just like two more points, but other times it's like, what if we just move this over here, and now it doesn't affect the thing that's been really degenerate with. A lot of times, too, you can do small things to make people feel like they're making progress against things. So, like, a perfect example, this is actually what I would probably do if I was redesigning Kylo, is I would make him the same price, but he would be a discard to use, or something like that. So that, yes, you can do this really nasty trick, but then you've gotten it out, and your opponent feels like they've gotten something out of your exchange, because they can't do it again. 
So that sort of like resource driven thing can be really valuable. To be fair, too. And yeah, that's that, a feel thing where like it's, it can be really nasty, but and it can even be as mathematically good as it was before, but it feels better to the opponent. It doesn't feel like such a frustrating interaction because they can't just do it again. So uh, on a related note, the uh, ability to do the micro bombs, what do we call them? Bomblets. Bomblets? Bomblets. The bomblet generator, yes. Yes. Sorry, like I have I have nightmares of that ship of that of that. Well car. plus Sabine. <laughs> Sabine is terrible. <laughs> the thing is like cards don't in their last uh the final name of the cards are only necessarily that way for the last week or whatever. So sometimes I forget. But anyway, uh it's this feeling that uh people don't like it, not because it's amazing, but it's this feeling that they're making no progress. Because if it's against normal bombs, they drop one, maybe they drop two if they have uh, extra munitions or two bombs or whatever. But uh, it's this feeling that you can just always do this. And and this is a funny one because in testing, all of the versions we had where it was limited by something, people hated them. They felt like it was just a useless card. It wasn't worth taking. If it didn't do the thing it did in the video game where you got lots of bombs, they didn't want to do. They didn't want to touch it. You know, like. It wasn't, and, and, and now it's a whole bunch of bombs. But it, it's interesting too, as it's it's a very specific set of situations that makes that so nasty. And it's I don't know. I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm very curious, curious, especially with like, how it'll play. I just want to I just want to know the physics of these bombs. Just asking for a friend, you know, a Star Wars friend. Do you think that like the bombs that you got in a bomblet generator, you could say launch them? Uh, just I asking, asking for about physics. Yeah, that is something we can't discuss. Always a mistake. Uh, just like you know the physics of it, you know the Star Wars lore of it. Nothing to do with mechanics. <laughs> so for starters, we know that there's air and space, so that makes some things easier. Uh, then we can start to start to figure things out from that. All right, so we did talk about we did talk about that wave thirteen ship. Hey, Calvin, and I, want to I jump think in real that quick. that is. Compl- um, I was going to say, I I did want to point out one thing. So you guys were talking about Kylo and when you were designing it, how it didn't really seem to be a problem. And that, that totally lines up in the sense that like we had full effect Palpatine, full effect X7 was running around everywhere. And and Kylo, even on rack against like a triple defender style list, you never use Kylo. Like you're not going to hit them if you're trying to show them the dark side kind of a deal. Right. So uh, I, exactly. I did really like the mechanic of using the damage deck as a new resource. That was something that was like always there, but we never had any effect over outside of some like weird determination effects. You didn't have that that ability to manipulate your opponent's damage deck. So that <laughs> <laughs> right, Merrick, right. so you, could, you could you could pick you out. Remember, there for like a short moment, there was Merrick Steel like in the middle. Uh, that man. was a wonderful time. ATC show. <laughs> Like, That's right. The saw, it was that wave seven point five when uh, the uh, the raider was really cool. Invader was awesome. Yeah, for like three and weeks. There was defender version yeah. for a hot minute. And too. then we realized we couldn't put a mangler cannon on him, and everyone was sad. <laughs> well, that's another example of uh, testing because let me tell you, Merrick Steele had access to a mangler cannon for a while. It was not pretty. It's not a pretty I mean, situation. I, I see. I disagree. That sounds amazing. Like I don't know what could possibly be wrong with that. <laughs> And, and, and now we're back to one person's fun <laughs> exactly. is another person's frustration. Uh, yeah, all right, so can it. I talk about the hype? Hi, all right, all right. There it is. Uh, <laughs> guys, <laughs> guys, yes. All right, so uh, I just need I need to talk about the gunboat so badly. <laughs> yes. 
All right, so there is, I'm staring at this right now, there is a 305-page forum thread that I know you guys know about that is titled... Which thread? The XG-1 Star Ring Assault Gun <laughs> Never heard of it. Get hype, baby! <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, no, since you're looking so... at it, when did that thread start? <laughs> June 14th, 2014. So, guys, wow. isn't there a bit, one of the early posts, someone's like, I'll be disappointed if it's not in wave four. <laughs> yes. Like that, that so, I was disappointed. No, <laughs> they, they were okay. Can you guys, can you guys walk me through how this ship came to be in front of you to design and uh, how much that forum post had anything to do with it? Because, I mean, come on! It's three hundred and five pages, uh, so you know so there, it was two hundred. So that is, it was two hundred and sixty-two when the gunboat was announced. So I'm just pleased there's been twenty-three more pages since then. I, I, I made that thread never die. I was kind of hoping it would hit three hundred before the announcement, but uh, two hundred sixty-two is pretty good. I'll uh, I'll take it. <laughs> so, so how did uh, how did that ship come in front of you how did you guys decide or how did you get that in front of you to design it like i don't know did you have to did you have to say like guys like there's a 150 page request for the ship does that come into play or like how, how does that work so we didn't actually have a lot of control over what the ships we were even suggesting to play with for a long time because a lot of those decisions were made above us. So mm -hmm. they obviously wanted to incorporate a lot of the ships that were in the movies first. So they were like, yeah, we're going to definitely do the Interceptor. Yeah, we're going to do the Bomber, etc. So it took us a pretty long time before we actually were able to make suggestions about what ships were being to added to the game. So on some level, it, it didn't matter how much the, the forums were just shouting. The people making the decisions were unaware entirely. Um, that said, as soon as we were able to actually make suggestions, uh, X-Wing didn't do any of the things the assault gunboat does. It didn't do ordnance well. We didn't have tractor beams. We didn't have jamming. We had nothing the ship was known for. So it would be quite the... We couldn't really do the ship service. We'd have to add so many new mechanics. It, we, it, we couldn't... People would not like it. So we, we didn't do it right away, and we kept trying to add each little part in there so when we eventually came out, it could actually have all the parts. One of the small benefits of accretion uh, is that eventually <laughs> you have a lot of mechanics to draw upon, and you can just sort of recombine them in new ways and get something pretty interesting. So, so what you're saying is that this entire time development for X-Wing has actually been revolving around the gunboat. Preparing for the hype of the gunboat! <laughs> it was all our plan all along. So yeah, no, I, as I recall, like I leaned over to Frank one day uh, while I was one of us putting together documents to send to somebody that were like, concepts for new ships. And, and I think I think I said to him, but maybe he said to me, it's time. Oh, it was you. It was <laughs> definitely you. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, and I seem to recall that you were like, no, it's, it's not time yet. And I was like, no, it's time. 
<laughs> and uh, and so we put it on the list, not really thinking much about it. And uh, then, you know, it came back and they were like, let's do this one. And we were like, okay, well, let's see what LFL has to say about it. Because, of course, everything we do has to go through them. And they often have, you know, good suggestions. Don't do this shit. We're about to, you know, put a book out about it that will invalidate everything you know. Strong. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and in this in, in this case, they, uh, they said... Uh, you know, uh, no, go for it. Uh, looks cool. They were actually pretty excited. So, yeah. Yeah. And then one day they come over with the 3D print and I was like, hey, this is not so bad. So from a uh, from a high level perspective, what kind of role does the do these ships play? I just want to know because I'm going to play for I'm going to play four of them. Yeah, like, can I play four? I want to play four of these. So, like, what sort of role do these uh, these ships play? Yeah, so it's a really interesting ship. I, I will say, I don't know if four of them is a good build, but I think it's Why a fun like build. That? <laughs> so where they really shine, in my opinion, and we're, we're actually looking at uh, one of the samples we have yes. in front of us right now. Um, yeah, are you jelly? I am, yes! Uh, <laughs> so where I see this ship shining, where it's really shined in testing, is, is as a flank striker. Um, and it's, you know, it's the fact that Slam is so amazingly good. Um... And you can really set up some, like, interesting deployments and interesting, you know, like, flank attacks with this thing. And it can be this real pressure on your opponent. And, you know, if they try to reposition to catch it, it's just like, well, I'm leaving. And if they ignore it, they're going to get hit in the side with a bunch of ordnance or a bunch of cannons or what have you. Um, so it just creates this very interesting, like, table presence. And it's it's definitely, I mean, Alex was talking about the the fundamentals of the of the game, the interacting with the core mechanic. And this is very much a ship that interacts with the core mechanic of maneuvering and flying around and shooting stuff. I will also say, since you said you're looking at a, uh, at a sample of it, when you got that 3d model and like, so when it, when it was released at Gen Con, we got to see it. It was a beautiful model, but in the back of my head, I just went, this is the most 90 starfighter I've ever seen in the existence of ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's it's turbo nineties. <laughs> well, and we depolygon the hell out of it. I mean, like we added greebles for days. We added solar uh, paneling, and we did absolutely everything that we could to make it not look like a sprite <laughs> from nineteen ninety four. That's it's not a bad thing. Looks like a sprite from nineteen ninety four. Hey, 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 hey. nineteen ninety eight. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> this looks like a sprite from nineteen ninety eight at least at this point. That's true. That's this could be in this. This could be in Starcraft. Could be early two thousands even. I would say no. Actually, I think the model's fantastic. They they took what was essentially a uh, dimly rendered series of polygons. And they made something super cool. Guys, out of it. The, do the wings move? I need to know this. I mean, they'll move, but they're not going to go. Back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, the ship does not have any articulation. Okay, so it's going to have to be aftermarket articulation. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the, part, uh, you, the parts oh, are too small for mass production, oh. but if you are a clever modeler, you can definitely do some cool stuff with this. Have you, have, yeah, you could. Have you seen right the now. seen my custom decimator? It'll th- those wings will move. Let me tell you. <laughs> I've got a guy. <laughs> I'm excited to see it. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a fun ship to fly. Um, it, uh, it does some cool stuff. Uh, it having the two uh, configurations is a lot of fun. Um, I was gonna say I think we've shown off one of those, and the other one is still unrevealed. Or have we revealed that? It's Don't unrevealed. Know. You have yeah. <laughs> nope. Well, then I will nope. say nothing about it. But. It has two. It has two configurations, and they're pretty. Thanks for oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we want you guys to come back eventually. So we've seen the we've seen like the name oh. of the card, but we don't want any of the Texas. So, ah, 
Yeah, it's good. It's good text. It's really it's solid text. Really it's good about it. It's 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 uh. It fills that whole card. It, it fills it has that the whole best box. Words. And it's clearly readable. Uh, pretty solid. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> Kelvin, go. You got Kelvin has an awesome question. Uh, actually, Bobby, I know you actually had something you wanted to ask them. Yeah, so uh, I, I love these design questions. They're just fun. So yeah. you mentioned that you get this huge latency when you're designing something versus the game that it will actually be played in is not the same thing. So now that Wave 11 has been out for a while, and this is, I guess this is directed at Max because this is the first expansion that was really your baby that had your name all over it, right? So now that it's been out, we've had a bunch of nationals level. Or that would really be more Wave 10. What is even 10 externally? I don't remember. They change the numbers on ten, us all ten, the time. Ten was Kylo. Ten was Kylo. The first, the first kind of like this was... a wave twelve and thirteen that are both on the boat. Just, just putting that. Uh, there. I was going to say the, <laughs> the the first thing that I was uh, kind of lead on was um, the uh, Sabine's tie Upsilon uh, quad jumper yeah, wave, that's which okay. Yeah. So my my last major major wave so, nine Max came in uh, to X wing during that wave and worked with me on that. Yeah, remember and, I gave uh, you that uh, Shadowcaster uh, uh, dial with no one-speed maneuvers. <laughs> yeah, that was that was an early Max suggestion. It was it was, it was uh, interesting. It was interesting, and that is the Minnesota definition of interesting. Actually, I might even upgrade that to uh, oh, that's different. <laughs> no, actually, one thing I love about Max is he's not afraid to just experiment with crazy ideas, uh, which I think the game is is um, way you know. Uh, necessary at this point to keep it to keep it alive and to keep it vibrant. And one thing I appreciate about Alex is that, about Alex is that he's never afraid to tell me that my crazy ideas are terrible. <laughs> True. Well, I do like I do like the idea of the one forward on the Lancer because I played Paratani a lot, and actually I, I think the limitation of not having the one was yeah. kind of cool. Um, yeah, but to bad. lead back into my question, which I didn't quite manage to get out. Uh, <laughs> no, no problem. <laughs> we don't want to stop you guys from talking. This is amazing. Uh, but let's direct you to how do you think Wave Eleven is performing now in the competitive metagame, looking at all these national results, compared to what your design intentions were when you were creating. Well, this? so truth. Hopefully, there's design intentions and then there's competitive balance. And, and the two are, are actually fairly different in a lot of regards. At the end of the day, my design intentions are to make fun cards. Um, and then the part, big part of the development process, which is sort of after that, the, sort of the part where I have intentions, is trying to get those cards balanced. Um, so I would say in terms of, like, are cards being played in interesting ways and have they done interesting things? I'm really happy about that. Um, are they, uh, where are they in the competitive meta? Some of them are pretty strong. I don't know if it's that much higher proportion than most waves, um, in terms of shaking things up. Obviously, uh, Lorik and Selflessness are big additions. They're pretty interesting. They're doing some things that some people are more happy about and some people are less happy about. Um, uh, obviously, uh, Nim is, is an interesting one. Although I'm, I'm curious about Nim because... Nim so far hasn't really had any lists where he isn't running with a partner we already knew to be monstrously powerful. So I'm curious if Nim is where his strength lies and like, you know. Have you seen Nim in yes. four uh, Z95s with the Dead Man Switch? Sorry, I have to drop this. This is the most fun. Interesting. Most fun yeah, I want, I want to play against that. That sounds great. Hit. 
You bomb your own shit. So you just bomb the shit out of your own. They oh, become man. rockets. They become death rockets. That's, so I, I have to explain. Like, this was uh, an invention of uh, my buddy Will and I. Um, Alex, Frank, you guys have met Will before. And we have a problem where we hate Z95s because anytime we fly them, they never do anything and they just die. And whenever someone else flies them, they always roll two evades. And like, you can't kill them, right? Like, it's that it's the stock z95 <laughs> problem so we set out to kill our own z95s and to try to make that useful and so we used to use like a, a y-wing with uh proton bombs and genius so you would k turn the y-wing and dump the proton bombs on all your z's and see what happens and then nim came out and we're like wait that's just way better let's do it with that <laughs> and it's it's laughably good against a lot of stuff and then it has some tough matchups but anytime you want to run like the the standard like four rebel ships that are all like super defensive and whatnot they suddenly don't know what to do when you just slam four Z95s in front of them that explode if you shoot them. That's, that's, that is the sort of list I love. That is also the sort of list I could see becoming, if it ever became too successful, would probably kill the game. But that is exactly the sort of list I want to see it's in the really game. really fun to fly. Doing modestly night. well. So good. So he's, he's done decent with it at, uh, at Gen Con. He just had a couple of bad games that went away. I love that but list. But you get awesome experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the perfect place. Is league nights and pickup games and whatnot because you hit this point where it's like <laughs> killing people with with run by running over asteroids and landing next to them is the most satisfying feeling I've ever had in the game. <laughs> <laughs> or or having an opponent not shoot your ship because they go, oh well, he's not range one of me, but if I kill him, he's gonna splash and kill his own other ship that is range uh, one of me, and that one will blow up. It's <laughs> gonna kill me. <laughs> I gotta try this list. It's really yeah. funny. <laughs> this sounds fantastic. So, so guys, on the topic of Wave Eleven, the other kind of big standout from Wave Eleven has been Lauric, and especially Lauric paired with uh, Biggs. Can you guys talk about? I'm sure you anticipated that Lauric Biggs would be a thing. You know, talk about the design process related to the combo of One thing Lauric I will, and Biggs. I will say, now that you've seen it, it played seems out, like Alex. Thoughts? I've heard from Alex and Frank in multiple locations say that Biggs is the hardest thing to design around, and. I think uh, it did. They did seem like those two would go together too. So that's something that I think is interesting. Well, we don't do anything unaware with unaware of Bigs and Rebels, and we knew about that combo, and it was tested a lot. Um, it was probably the most heavily tested thing in that wave, or close to it. Um, it was interesting, and testing the Azatak was the. There was a lot of. Uh, it, it was a challenging ship for people to get their heads around, and I think it took them a while to learn to fly it because not having a K turn is such a paradigm shift and not having a turn or a stop um and you know for a lot of that test the the azatuck overall was not felt to be very strong because of that um but it's its stats are obviously pretty potent and it, it clearly delivers on a number of levels um and i to say as we've seen externally it clearly works quite well so that was tested a lot um and you know in testing the the data we got back came back that like well it's good but it's, you know, it, it doesn't seem to be completely uh, breaking the game or even breaking the game all that much. But nobody put together the crazy four named Rebel Aces list uh, that, uh, was Paul the first one to put that on the table or just the first one to, like, take a big event with it? Or I think it was, yeah, Paul took the first big event. Although Paul since stopped flying it, and this kind of backs up actually your testing, which is that he said that, it's a great list, but against skilled players, like, for example, Nathan Idy, I mean, he got taken down 100 nothing. He was flying that list, and Nathan beat him 100 nothing with Corin and Nim. And it's 
it's kind of great against 80% of the lists out there, but against the skilled players with top lists, it has a really hard time. It seems to be kind of in the same place as the triple defender. Um, and that's potentially concerning because a really strong mid-tier list that oppresses certain archetypes is definitely something we're concerned about. So, you know, we definitely keep our eye on that. So we're watching Lorik and Biggs. I mean, we've been watching Biggs for a long time. and Harpoon he, Missile. There is Harpoon <laughs> Missile. Right. Yeah, no, I think Harpoon <laughs> Missile kills us, so it's, it's not a big conversation to worry about. But one of the interesting things that, like, we saw at a competitive level was... Uh, that style of list where you you have all these super defensive mini game like mini game style uh, rebel ships is that was the first time where like do I have enough rounds in the game to actually kill this person like became a real question that we had to answer. Does, does this disprove the theory that we've been trying to make games shorter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. Yes, yes, yeah. it did. <laughs> you you were like, oh, they said Alpha Strike's way too good, and we're making it. Yeah, Hold my beer, we got this, guys. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, obviously game state not progressing isn't a good thing. I mean, that's a pretty, I don't know. I don't hold that many, like, you know, truisms in game design. Um, but you know, that's one that like the League of Legends designers talk about all the time. Here's a storm designers talk about all the time. That's just sort of a, you know, an old, uh, you know, that's this old news at this point, but like the game state not progressing is not a good thing. Um, and, uh, so if you end up in those game state non-progressive situations, it's it's obviously a problem now interestingly i actually think in most cases fairship rebels is not the game state not progressing it's just the game state appearing not to progress now if anyone in that group was like regenerating tons and tons of shields biggs is sometimes regenerating some but a lot of times it seems like he's taking the mitigation astromach instead um that would be more of that case so that's more just like the slow grind situation but that's also, you know, there's gradations. There's a point where a slow grind essentially becomes non-progression. So that's another thing we're definitely watching. Right, and that's kind of what I was saying, is where, like, there's been a lot of points where I come into the, like, I'm list building or whatnot. It's like, okay, I'm going to fly, like, a pal bases kind of a thing. But if I hit a fair ship rebel, like, I, can, I should win that game. And I can win that game if I have two hours, two and a half hours. But at 75 minutes, I just don't have enough game rounds to get through all of the stuff. This is a kind of a thing that I was talking about. So I think we're kind of winding down to our last few questions. Kelvin, you want me to take the alt format question? Yeah, jump into it. We guys, we just did a. Uh, I'll let you take it, Lyle. We're just we're kind of super into some, some alternative formats to X Wing right now. Yeah, so we just did a big alt format episode where we had a, our listeners submit kind of crazy alternative formats. We got like thirty or forty submissions. And there were some really good ones. And as we're going through it, it occurred to us that how good X-Wing's design bones were, that you could build all these crazy game variants on top of the kind of core mechanics. And, you know, for example, one guy built kind of a uh, Rocket League version of X-Wing where you play soccer with A-Wings, which was awesome. Are are the A-Wings the players or the ball? They're the players, and there's a goal, and you try to score on it. Basically, the idea is that you land on... Your goal uh, from a player perspective is to try and hit, like, land on the ball from a maneuver perspective at a sure. decent at a decent angle to try and, like, move the ball towards this goal. And what is it, Lyle, like, your, uh, your speed maneuver is, like, how many spaces you can move it or something? Yeah, so if you're doing a two, two straight, when you hit the ball, you can kick it either two bank, two straight... Um, or two bank the other direction. You can't do a hard two. You can't bend it like Beckham. 
Uh, maybe that's an upgrade. But uh, let's see, we had some great story league or story league ideas. And I guess our question to you is, you know, competitive X-Wing has seems to be the, you know, the primary game in town, but there's so many great alternative formats out there. And I know Alex, you worked on the, uh, that, that Armada campaign, the story driven Armada campaign. I think yeah, you did. I, I worked on that Max worked and, on a little bit too, actually. He's been involved in Armada from the get go too. Cool. My involvement in Armada is the best because I just shout ideas at Alex and Michael and now Brooks and then, you know, they listen or don't, but I can just... And I, who don't actually know the rules at all, will sometimes just shout Star Wars stuff and it happens too. (laughs) So I guess a couple questions here. One, what's your favorite alternate format for each of you? And then the second question is, is there some world where you're like, man, competitive X-Wing really kind of cramps our style. I really wish we had more design space to play around with different ideas that weren't just hundred by six. Yeah, I can, I can address that. Uh, yeah, I, I love alternate formats. Um, there's a, there was a, uh, big sort of X wing death race, 2000 Mario Kart kind of thing that, um, our coworker Kalar put together a few years back. That was extremely fun. Um, and there's the, the cornucopia format where it's just a, um, a furball one chip. You can fly over the, the cornucopia in the middle and get a random upgrade card. Yeah, that's, that's the Hunger Games, yeah, people the Hunger call Games it. format. So there's a bunch of super yeah. fun stuff out there. And I, I love stuff like that. Uh, working on the Corellian campaign was a blast. Um, it was a really cool twist on Armada. And so like on a personal level, I love that stuff. I want to do more of that stuff. It's really just a question of bandwidth. Um, you know, Fantasy Flight makes a ton of new games um, and and also provides a ton of expansion support for existing games. So when the question is, do we, you know, do we get more ships out uh, for X-Wing or do we get some alternative formats out for X-Wing, the answer is always going to be more ships. Um, that being said, uh, I think we were talking a little bit before the show we actually have a proper miniatures department now, which is is uh, not something that we've always had. Back in the day, it was pretty much just Frank and I. Um, but there's let me do a quick count, chair count in here because uh, I'm bad at math. But we've got seven, eight, eight staffers plus uh, a manager now in the minis department. So. <laughs> Oh, never mind. We've got eight total. I can't say like, I told that's, you. I yeah, that's going to feel really cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like we've really been c- uh, committing to to actually growing miniatures games uh, within the company. Uh, serious resources have been have been devoted to that. And I think that's going to pay off in, in big dividends um, as time goes by. I mean, we've already got uh, a brand new game in, in terms of Legion and, and Rune Wars. Um, so, yeah, something that I want to certainly do is is do some things for X-Wing that aren't just focused on that deathmatch format. I don't know if and when that will happen or what form it'll take, but it's something I'm, I think all of us are, are seriously interested in. Um, Frank, what's your, uh, what's your favorite old format? Uh, I had an answer. I got distracted. I forgot. It'll come back to me. All right. uh, the other thought I had was about how just the sheer number of people we actually have in OP. It's uh, not that many. We have way more game lines that are competitive that we need to keep tournament environments viable for than we actually have people in the organized play department. So keep that in mind whenever you're being like, where's all the other X-Wings? Because it's just like 
there aren't enough people to really manage all the games. And they do a really good job. They work really hard. They work very hard. Great guys. Great folks. Max, um, what's your favorite? What's your favorite uh, alt format? Uh, favorite alt format. Oof, that's a tough one. Um, oh, I, I remembered. Oh, go for it. Okay. Uh, it's actually plays very similar to normal X-Wing, but it's just the draft one where you go around the whole table. Everyone gets to pick one card or unique upgrade and has to build lists eventually. So you'll get all sorts of crazy cross stuff where you have crew members on the wrong ship and all sorts of jazz, but it's, you have to hard commit to certain pilots because you can't build a complete list beforehand because someone else is going to draft the rest of your list. So it creates some really weird lists that would never happen. So in that vein, that's actually similar to my favorite one, which is the one where you hit the random list button that just randomly ah. assigns you ships and upgrades. Because, And this says something about my personality, perhaps, but I love trying to untangle the mess that occurs when ships and upgrades that were never supposed to interact together now have to interact and figuring out what that actually does. Yeah, they, they uh, call it the rando Calrissian format. And for a while, we were playing a bunch of lunch games with a, a bunch of different people in, in the office, not just in the minis department, where we were we were just generating random lists uh, and having a good time. I think the game really has a lot to offer for people who look beyond just the 100-point deathmatch. So I always encourage people to do that because I think that's where, where some of the most fun can be had. So I'm going to tell you guys what won the last one, then I'm going to ask you your last question. But I do want to tell you guys this because uh, I love the the winning format, which is you have to place a drink on every asteroid, and anyone who hits it has to take that drink. <laughs> and, and there's more asteroids than normal. Yeah, yeah, there's twice as many <laughs> asteroids as normal. So basically stuff like ion cannon and tractor beams become like absolutely dominant cards. Extra potent. Yeah, it's all it's all about like trying to like throw. Yeah, that, <laughs> and it's so great because the uh, game store that just opened by uh, by my house like just started like or they just moved so they could serve beer and it's just like perfect timing for. Me. <laughs> so I did want to say, uh, Frank, with yeah, the, uh, the style that when you liked, or with with the uh, the draft system. The, the version that I really liked was a bidding draft system. So you bid with your 100 points what you want on a pilot. Oh. So like an academy pilot comes up and I'll bid eight. Now sure. if someone else wants, yeah, I might get a cheap pilot versus if you know you're playing Nathan Idy and he wants corn horde, you bid 60 points just to get it out of his hands. <laughs> what if he lets you have it? I, so that's the counterplay, right? Like I'm going to bid him up and he's just like, yeah, cool. See what you can do with it. That sounds really fun. All right, so I want to. This is a, the last question I want to ask you guys. So I want I want to give you guys each an opportunity to tell me a card that you think is underrepresented in X Wing that you think is really good, and just give you an opportunity to talk about it. So uh, you know, for me, that's always snapshot. But uh, uh, hopefully, it is because I love that card. But anyways, no, okay, I'll let you talk. Yeah, about I love A Wings, A-wings. twins. <laughs> Did we just become best friends? Snap, crackle, uh, pops, an amazingly okay, fun anyways, list. I, I never get tired of that. All right. Uh, okay, fine. I will let you go first then. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to let you guys each have an opportunity to talk about a card uh, that you think is underrepresented. Uh, Alex, uh, go ahead since you're already... Yeah, I mean, I think Snapshot is hard to play, and I think A-Wings have their weaknesses. But the cool thing about Snapshot is it ties into the things that I like about the game. Um it's, a, it's about predictive movement, and uh, if you set it up right, 
you get to blow past their defenses. They don't get their tokens. They don't get any of their defensive tricks, generally speaking. And it rewards um, saturation of, of numbers. Um, uh, snap juke is a fun combo too, um, because then if they even if they do roll innovate, it, it becomes uh, less useful. Putting air you have no happy. <laughs> you have no happy idea how happy I am. Uh, yeah, no. People in the office are, are uh, for a while. We were doing an, an X Wing um, contest where it was Fantasy Flight Games versus uh, Asmodee, and I would I brought I brought um, a different list for every single faction. So like including resistance and first order. And uh, my favorite one to fly was, was absolutely the, the snap juke a wings list. It's just fun. How do you handle bombs? How do you handle bombs in, in I'm not sure with that list though. Every time I try <laughs> sure and do it does, that, to be honest. it doesn't, you just take, I have this thing that makes me so happy <laughs> you and you're just like taking it from me. It's like, I have this toy. You're just like that toys, that toys no good. Uh, all right. Okay, I'm gonna move on from A wings, or I'll talk for another half hour. Uh, Max, what is your uh, what is your favorite card, that, or what's the card that you think's underrepresented in like either the meta or just X wing in general? All right, I'm, I'm gonna cheat and uh, assume a card to include that's, ships. That's that's fine uh, because they do come on cards. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with the quad jumper. Uh, so. I, I actually think there's some pretty interesting stuff you can do with that ship, and I just enjoy flying it every time I put it on the table because it is such a ridiculous troll. Um, you can do all sorts of great stuff with that ship, and the backwards. There's, there's a junk, there's a junkyard dogs like swarm that I've seen that is super duper, super duper fun. Yeah, and it's like it's always. I've I've never played the quad jumper and not had like my opponent entertained to play against it because it just does ridiculous stuff. You know, like it flies backwards, it equips goofy upgrades, it drops bombs in front. You know, so I I, I really like that ship. Uh, I'm always happy when I see one on the table uh, at a tournament. Why do you think that people sort of sleep on it? Like, what it, what about it? Like, makes it. Well, it's it's hard to use. It doesn't like certain things. Um, it came to prominence at, right around when uh, Alpha Strikes were getting pretty potent, and it sure does not like getting shot in the face with torpedoes or any sort of heavy attacks. It doesn't have any shields, and it's only got two agility. That's why you bring a billion of them, right? Well, yeah, the, uh, the quad jumper swarm. <laughs> I really like it, actually, as a weirdo one-of that's just this like low-priority target where it's like, yeah, you could shoot it and kill it, but it's kind of cheap. It's... Doesn't it's not provide it's not a big threat. If you're shooting it, you're not shooting something more powerful, and then it can do like weird little tricks where it throws you into a rock and then someone else shoots you, um, or it can you know uh, just mess around with you know bombs and salvage crane or something. Um, so I, I like it as a like a sort of uh, an addition like a one or two of rather than a, a swarm. Although there are some pretty funny swarm lists with it. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, five hull, no shields, and, uh, you know, it's it's in an attack-heavy environment. Uh, it, uh, it, it it pops really easily. The testers were really concerned about Space Tug Tractor Array, and I, I think they were right to be concerned about it. But at the end of the day, part of the problem is you just put yourself at range one with something that might just be able to swat you like a fly. Let, let me tell you, when I saw the uh, the announcement for both the Space Tug Tractor Array and then Coordinate being on the U-Shuttle, I was trying to wrap my head around this this uh, this 
Princess Bride level game of, all right, you're going to space tra- tractor me there, but then I'm going to coordinate back off the rock so that I can finally do my turn to go over here. But then you don't space tug me. Ah. Yep. Uh, so Frank, I guess your last, who, let's go ahead. Since you're the, you're, you're the force ghost. So you're the honored forced, uh, the honored dead. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what do you think's the card? I, Frank, you've yeah. been like seriously an X-wing for a long time. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like you've got a good perspective. He's like, yeah. He's like, he's like, I got one eye now, kid. Uh, Actually, but, it's like Darth Maul. Only, only the legs came back. The <laughs> upper body is a robot. Yeah. Uh, so what what card do you think is underrepresented in X-Wing? Uh, well, <laughs> curious. Boshek? Boshek! Yes! yes! Yeah, honestly, Boshek he's my favorite character. Hold up, no, no shit, like... The last cons, the last contest we ran in the previous episode was to break Boshek. <laughs> did right. you succeed? All right, Frank. No, 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 no. This is it. You did this to yourself, Frank. Break Boshek. Uh, uh, myself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's your favorite? What's your favorite Boshek list? Uh, Do you run it with Navigator? I, I don't know if I have one. Cassian's good too. Yeah. Uh, I like to run them with Cassian. Yeah, it's. Oh yeah, that's that's got some fun interaction there. Um, yeah, it's he's my favorite character. <laughs> uh, I, Frank has the action figure. I have the action figure. My dad and the comic. <laughs> and you know you're a real Boshek fan when you have the single issue Boshek comic book, Dark Horse. Oh, that was a Dark Horse Marvel. Oh, Dark Horse, definitely Dark Horse. Frank, did did you make him faction independent just so you could have more answers to this question? Uh, that isn't entirely wrong. Um, <laughs> In the comic, he even talks about working for both sides, though, right? Yeah, I mean, like, he is such a generic character. And that's um, also, Paul wanted to do something that was faction non-locked. And so, you know, and he also wanted to do someone who looked like Frank. <laughs> but it, it's it's an interesting use of design space because we haven't really done it before. This feeling of, like, a uh, unique character. uh Unique character who's a crew, and Kinevan could use them, but uh, it, because of the situationalness of the ability, not everyone's going to have a use for him. So trying to find the right list that's able to utilize him the best is kind of a fun puzzle. Um, it, it, I know on some level it feels like this crazy troll thing where you're not sure how to respond to it when your opponent's using it, but it hasn't really come to prominence to like just completely screw you. So I don't know. It, I'm glad it's not dominating the game because that doesn't sound like a great game, but uh, it feels like it could be a little more present. Hard mode is using Bocek on a hawk. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. Uh, I, have ta- yeah. I have talked to Paul about this before where he literally said, if, uh, if Bocek becomes good, it breaks the game. Like yes. that's, that's where we know it's going to be bad. Well, he really wanted to set out to design like a fun card. Um, you know, he was he was very much. Uh, what, did, what did he say? It's like, well, I'm all out of good ideas. So uh, he really set out saying like he wanted to design something like fun and creative, and he was great to work with. Yeah. Uh, so back to a I'm more sure serious he had thing. Experience present. doing it. <laughs> what, what he oh, yeah, he's the, yeah, he's he's the most experienced X-wing designer after us. Ah, yes. It was what you said, Frank. I'm sorry. Uh, so I was gonna say that the. Um, oh yes. Both Both got it. Got it. 
Got it. <clears throat> okay. Bomb shack. Bomb shack. Uh, so uh, much like how bombs were in the game for a long time, but they weren't really seeing any dominance. They weren't very annoying because you didn't see it too much. But as soon as it got reared its ugly head, uh, people have really started to not like it. Um, but in a, a similar idea, like Ion is in the same place. It's never been the game. And if it was the game, you wouldn't like it. So uh, there are these parts of the game that we can like point at and touch and say, hey, look, this is a thing we could do. But then we don't really do it too much because you wouldn't actually want to play it. Um, oh, well, let me tell you, Ion Control Robots is the most oppressive thing you will ever see across the table from and, you. Yeah, and you don't see it much, fortunately. I, I, it's really good right now. I think it's Pocket OP. Uh, like Jesper Hills over in the UK has been doing really well with it, and a couple of local guys have been doing decent with it. But like, I played it at a game night kit where a kid didn't set a dial for four turns in a row. <laughs> and he had more than two ships. Like, wow. <laughs> dropping Ion bombs on him, doing all that kind Trust of stuff. Trust Jesper to like, break yeah. robots again. Oh, yeah, absolutely I, right. If anybody's going to do it, it's going to be him. I actually did that to an opponent in uh, a league night, and it was just 60-minute rounds. It was against dual K-Wings, and he didn't set a dial f- on either ship for... It was close. It might have been six rounds. Uh, that's, that's exactly the same thing. Where it's like, yeah, I still don't. lost. Half <laughs> on one of them, and then I didn't kill either other one. It's so very sad. That's sixty-minute rounds. What do you but get? yeah, like you said, if Ion ever becomes oppressively good, it's not good for the game. Right. And, and these things go in cycles too. Something will be great for a while, and then stuff drops, and things change. When uh, when are A wings going to be great? A wings are great. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, do you mean? I'm you also mean, waiting for the hot in, in, in the game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going for. I'm going for that. Um, okay, so I we're I don't want to like taking up too much of your time, guys. I really do appreciate you coming on. Uh, is there anything you guys want to shout out uh, before we wrap it up? Yes. So alternate formats. I was going to say. Okay. Uh, I know that people are talking about what they need the next 300-page thread on our forums to be, mm-hmm. uh, and there's like discussion of whether it should be, you know, the uh, uh, what ship are they talking about? The Skipray, I think. Skipray I mean, Blast Boat. Anyway, the Skipper. Importantly, uh, though, yeah, the Coral Skipper was on there. Anyway, and the important thing is the ship. The thing that people should really make a 300-page thread about is like alternate formats, because a lot of times the best alternate formats arise out of. You know, people getting a lot of enthusiasm around them and playing them. I mean, look at Commander and Magic and how that format has blown up. And it blew up because, you know, like, people started playing it on their own and it built its own community. So, like, I would encourage people to, you know, like, get a 300-page thread going about that. Uh, you know, that, yeah, would be, it, that would be If your game's see. really good, we might make cards for it. Wait, we have a whole bunch of of alt format we just ran an alt format contest and we've probably gone through something like 70 different alt formats that we've seen through either stuff we found online or user submitted there's a ton of good stuff run those events it's also it's also cool to look through because uh, we, we have the document posted somewhere if you guys ever want to take a look at it uh yeah i'll send it to you it's, it's great because like contacts. you because we i think you put in like where the person was from too because you just see this like this random mm-hmm. idea that's only this pocket group of people in alaska play <laughs> that's like, great. Like, oh man okay sure that's, that's how they do it over there cool they play it on the back of a husky 
<laughs> but but yeah, seriously. I mean, it's one of those great things too. Where like one of my favorite things about Commander when I first discovered it, and just to be a hipster when I first discovered it, it was still Elder Dragon Highlander. Um, one of the things I loved about it was suddenly it breathed life into all these things that, that were in my collection that I didn't use. Suddenly, like, oh, this crappy card is great now. Like, you know, oh, this thing that I would have never considered using, I'm building a deck around that. Yeah, who'd ever pay seven meta for that effect? For Commander, sure. So it, 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 there's, you know, like, that's one of the great things about alternate formats is you suddenly, like, things have very different values and it gets it, you know, gets some change in and it gets fresh ideas and gets things moving. Because the bonds of the game are really, really good. Like the idea of, you know, you're picking where you're moving, you get to roll some cool dice, you get to sort of out think your You might even get to use a dice app to roll those dice. Oh my God. (laughs) We're not going to jump into that. Um, Anyway, so, uh, so do you guys have any other shout outs that you want to give before we wrap this up? Breaker, Alex. Uh, Word to your moms. I came to drop bombs. Drop the knowledge bombs. So, guys, uh, once again, thanks for the gunboat. Um, and you're welcome. Let's. Uh, yeah. So, I'll go ahead and for Tyler Tippett, better known as Star Slinger, for Blair Bunky, better known as Scruffy, for Doctor Bob Randall, better known as Major Juggler, and for Lyle Harris, better known as Susan. My name is Richard White, better known as Kelvin Tiberius. Thank you, Galactic Colonnet, and good hunting. <laughs> <laughs>